new NOAA archive is launched on the web for the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. Texas gets a new forecast system to warn of toxic algal outbreaks along the coast. And do you remember the stories we had last year about the Scarlet Knight, the underwater glider that made it all the way from the east coast to Europe? Well, it's now on display at the Smithsonian. Those stories are coming up today. It's January 6, 2010. Happy New Year. This is Making Waves from NOAA's National Ocean Service. Last week, NOAA unveiled a new web archive of the maps, wildlife reports, scientific reports, and other previously released public information during the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. The site is intended to serve as a learning tool and resource for scientists, students, and historians of all backgrounds. Here are some of the highlights of what you'll find there. 450 nearshore, offshore, and cumulative oil trajectory forecasts. 33 fishery closure area and 9 fishery reopening maps. 129 wildlife reports for animals, including sea turtles and marine mammals. 58 nautical chart updates. 38 golf loop current location maps. And more than 4,000 spot weather forecasts requested by responders. The archive also contains image and video galleries, fact sheets and publications, press releases and transcripts, educational resources, and mission logs by crew members on board several of the eight NOAA ships responding to the spill and the damage assessment. NOAA will continue to update the site in the weeks and months ahead, and the new archive is available at noaa.gov slash deepwaterhorizon. Texas officials and coastal managers will now receive early notice of outbreaks of toxic algae that threaten public health and affect beach and fishing activities along the coast. Last month, NOAA's Harmful Algal Bloom Operational Forecast System began issuing weekly bulletins for this region based on observations from state and local partners, coupled with models, satellite ocean color imagery, and data from NOAA's powerful current and weather systems. The most common harmful algal bloom that occurs in the Gulf of Mexico is known as red tide, and it's caused by the algal species Karenia brevis. Occurrences of red tide have historically resulted in fish and marine mammal deaths, shellfish contamination, and even human health risk in the form of respiratory distress. Economic impacts of harmful algal blooms in the U.S. average $75 million a year. That includes impacts on public health costs, commercial fishing closures, recreation and tourism losses, and management and monitoring costs. NOAA has had an operational forecast in the eastern Gulf of Mexico for harmful algal blooms off the coast of Florida since 2004. With the expansion of this operational system to include Texas, analysts can now review conditions daily with coastal managers from all of the Gulf of Mexico states. The NOAA Harmful Algal Bloom Operational Forecast System is operated by NOAA's Co-ops. That's the Center for Operational Oceanographic Products and Services, and Co-Ops is the nation's authoritative source for accurate, reliable, and timely water level and ocean current measurements. The system is also produced in close partnership with NOAA's National Centers for Coastal Ocean Science. Operational forecasts are also available for most of Florida and are in various stages of development in other parts of the nation. We'll have a link to the weekly bulletins in our show notes. And finally today, the Scarlet Knight, the first underwater robotic vehicle to cross an ocean, is now the centerpiece of a new exhibit in the Sant Ocean Hall, and that's in the Smithsonian's National Museum of Natural History. The vehicle, called an ocean glider, is the product of a public-private and academic partnership led by NOAA's Integrated Ocean Observing System, commonly referred to as IOS for short. It was operated by Rutgers University, and it carried out the transatlantic journey in 2009. That was just months before the technology was used once again, 
to help in the Deepwater Horizon BP response effort, and more on that in a moment. So Rutgers scientists and students launched the transatlantic glider, which they called the Scarlet Knight in honor of the school's mascot, off the New Jersey coast in the spring. And they and their Spanish colleagues from the Spanish Port Authority recovered the glider off the Spanish coast after seven months at sea. They brought it ashore in the small town of Bayona, and that just happens to be where Christopher Columbus's ship, the Pinta, landed with news of the New World more than 500 years ago. The glider reached Spain on December 9, 2009, one year to the day of the exhibit being launched within the Smithsonian's Sant Ocean Hall. So what's the ocean glider all about? Well, some big benefits of gliders are that they use very little energy, they're relatively cheap, and they don't risk human lives. It can also travel to a lot of places where it's difficult for people to get to, and many of them can be out there at once in the water. This makes gliders great tools to gather information about the ocean. Gliders can also travel for really, really long distances underwater. How long? Well, that was one of the things that Scarlet Knight put to the test with the transatlantic mission. In an interview with Making Waves last year, IOS director Stenka Willis said that in the beginning, no one knew if the little device would make it all the way across the pond. This was an extremely challenging mission. If you would have asked all of us when she started out, whether we thought that she could make it across, we all hoped that she could, but the percentages were pretty low. We had shipping to be careful of. We had a number of hurricanes that crossed the Atlantic that she had to be able to maneuver through and under, if you will. There is the biology. There are sharks. There are squid. There is the currents uh, that we need to get her across the ocean. So we are just pleased that we were able to accomplish this mission. Stenka said that gliders are increasingly important tools for ocean observing. While satellites are critical to give us information about wide swaths of the ocean, they can only see what's happening on the surface. Buoys, on the other hand, give us both surface measurements and specific real-time temperature, salinity, and waves, but only at one location. So gliders complement these tools by allowing us to see in three dimensions underneath the waves. So we can basically fly the gliders from north to south, east and west, in a three-dimensional pattern. So when we take that water column with the individual buoy and marry it up with the satellite data, that allows us to assimilate all this data into models and actually do forecasts. Because it's good to know what the conditions are now, but it's even more critical to know um, for many applications what the forecast is in 6 hours, 12 hours, 24, and 48. And then all of this data is collected and recorded and eventually gets into a climate data record for a long-term time series so we can see how it changes over time. The utility of the underwater robotic vehicles to collect ocean data was put to the test soon after the transatlantic journey was completed. As part of the Deepwater Horizon BP oil spill response effort, IUS partners deployed a fleet of gliders equipped with sensors to help indicate the presence of oil. Although scientists must still confirm the oil through water sampling, the gliders narrowed the search zone for subsurface oil, so it played a very important role there. And once again, the glider, the Scarlet Knight, is now on display at the Sant Ocean Hall in the Smithsonian National Museum of Natural History. So if you're in the D.C. area, be sure to stop by for a visit. We'll have links to more information about the Scarlet Knight in our show notes. And that's the news for this episode. Come and visit us online. We're at oceanservice.noaa.gov. If you have any questions about the podcast, about the National Ocean Service, or about our ocean, send us a note at nos.info at noaa.gov. And also send us a note if you have an ocean fact you'd like answered. We have over 150 of them now online at oceanservice.noaa.gov. Make sure you pay to visit. Now let's bring in the ocean.
and listening to Making Waves from NOAA's National Ocean Service. We'll return in two weeks with an interview about an interesting new project going on in Mobile Bay, Alabama. You won't want to miss this one.